Well, welcome to National Community Church, all seven of our locations. So thrilled that you're here this weekend as we continue uh, the series, One Little Yes. Now, a couple of months ago, I was having coffee with an NCCer, and I'd known him for a few years, but I'd never heard how he found out about the church. And so I asked him, and uh, he shared a little bit of his story with me and gave me permission to share it with you. Uh, it was Thursday night, June 30th, 2011. He said, after a night out in Georgetown where I had too much to drink, I found myself somewhere I should not have been. It was about 2 a.m., and I stood on the corner trying to hail a cab. He said as a cab, uh, as he got in the cab, the driver uh, turned to him and said, you were doing something that you shouldn't uh, have been doing, weren't you? Uh, full of guilt, he said, uh, yes, I was. And he then said, I never drive in this part of town, but the Lord told me to turn down this street that there was someone that he needed to talk to. As he drove me back to my apartment across town, he began to tell me that God had great things in store for me, a plan to use me in mighty ways. I just had to be willing to say yes. Said so we got back to my apartment, asked if he could pray for me. As he prayed, all I could do was cry. And when he finished praying, he told me that there was a church I needed to go to and that that church was National Community Church. Well, D detailed his story a little bit more than that, but here's the, the short story. He said yes to NCC, uh, then he said yes to Christ, he said yes to a small group, he said yes to a mission trip, uh, and then a few weeks ago, Anna said yes to him. Um, Here's how the engagement went down. Uh, and we met before this happened. So he was trying to figure out, you know, where do I do this? You know, and then he connected the dots and he thought to himself, well, you know, our, our Capitol Hill campus, that's where he said yes to Christ. Um, it's where he said yes to serve on the hospitality team. It's where he said yes to a mission trip. I mean, maybe, uh, oh, and it's where he met Anna. So he thought maybe, just maybe, that uh, he had a good shot at her saying yes. So on March 7, 2015, uh, right around 8 p.m., uh, after one of our Saturday night services, Dee got up on this stage right about where I'm standing and asked Anna if she would marry him. And she said yes to the man who said yes to the taxi driver who said yes to the Holy Spirit. Now, last week we talked about saying yes to priorities. Next week we're going to talk about saying yes to the promises of God. This weekend I want to talk about saying yes to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. If you have a Bible, you can turn over uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Uh, we'll put it up on the screen. Here we go. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. Now I'm going to tell you how it ends at the end. Um, but I'm not worried about the end. 
God's the one who finishes things. What I want to talk about is this little idea here that he started out. Uh, you can't finish what you don't start. Even God won't finish what you don't start. So what I want to talk about this weekend is the art of the start. And let me frame it. Uh, for Christmas, Laura and I got a gift for our family, uh, a 10-foot trampoline. Uh, we thought it'd be the gift that keeps on giving, uh, provide hours and hours of uh, good old-fashioned fun. The problem is uh, some assembly required. Uh, long story short, it took me 105 days and two hours to put it together. Um, no, that's exactly how long it took. 105 days uh, to start. And once I started, it took two hours to finish. In 1997, I started a doctoral program at Regent University at the time. NCC was one church with one location, uh, probably about 100 people, give or take. Uh, I finished those classes in, uh, I think, less than two years. But then I was all but dissertation, ABD, for more than a decade. Uh, it took me 14 years and three months to write that dissertation. 14 years to start and three months to finish. In my experience, it is much harder uh, starting than finishing. Uh, the hardest part of finishing is starting. Um, I think the hardest part of any endeavor is getting to the starting line. Now, here's my hunch this weekend. There is something that each and every one of us needs to start. And so my question this weekend, what do you need to start? Or to use the language of Max 826, what do you need to start out on? Uh, maybe it's a diet. Maybe it's a graduate program. Maybe it's reading the Bible. Maybe it's tithing. Uh, maybe it's dating. Hey, work for D. Uh, what do you need to start? And uh, let me share four thoughts with you. Uh, number one, you can't finish what you don't start. Uh, you know, I want to keep it real practical this weekend and just share just some things that might be a little bit of a paradigm shift and help us think about this the way that we need to. Uh, I ran my first sprint triathlon seven, eight years ago, um, and uh, it, was, it was a challenge. Uh, you know, the biking part wasn't too bad. The swimming in the ocean, more difficult. Uh, the running with asthma, uh, you know, it's challenging. Uh, but I set a life goal that I was going to run a triathlon, and so... Um, would you like to know my time? Okay. Um, four months and 80 minutes. Now you're getting the swing of this thing, aren't you? Uh, it took four months of training to get to the starting line. That was the hard part. After I trained, I mean, once the gun went off, finishing it, I mean, it was hard. It was 80 minutes. It was grueling. But... It was the four months of training 
that prepared me for that. There's a starting line that you need to get to. And, and what we need is the Holy Spirit's help in discerning exactly what that is. I, I mean, I'm going to state the obvious this entire weekend, but you know, Noah couldn't have finished the ark if he hadn't started it. Uh, Nehemiah couldn't have rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem if he hadn't started it. Um, would have been difficult for Esther to finish that fast if she hadn't started the fast. What is it that you need to start? Now, I know that at the outset, it's a little overwhelming, isn't it? You know, when I sit down to write a book at the beginning of a writing season, I almost feel like quitting before I even start. It's so hard. It's so overwhelming. It's just this feeling like, I don't know how this is going to happen. That's how the Israelites felt uh, when they were getting ready to rebuild the temple. But the prophet Zechariah said, don't despise the day of small beginnings. See, what we need to do is get to a place where we celebrate um, those small steps of faith, kind of like a parent celebrates the first step uh, that their baby makes, right? Um, I think God rejoices when we take that one small step and he's able to turn it into one giant leap. Like Philip, we need to start out. Now, I'm not talking about just pulling a rabbit out of the hat and I'm going to start um, polka dance lessons. Um, if that's your thing, that's awesome. Um, I'm more into river dance. Uh, but this isn't about just, oh, I'm going to try this or try that. Uh, this is about discerning the promptings of the Holy Spirit and knowing what's next for you. Because if you don't know what's next, you're gonna get into this status quo place where you're not growing spiritually. And if you're not growing, you're actually doing something called backsliding. Uh, a few weekends ago, 39 NCCers said yes to baptism. That's what I'm talking about. It's a concrete step of faith. It was a step of obedience. And so the question is, where do you need to step out? Can, can I just share this? When it comes to the spiritual gifts, what I've learned is that the first time you exercise a gift, it's so awkward. It's kind of like, oh man, I do not know about this. Um, what, one of my gifts is the gift of encouragement. And and sometimes, hopefully, it comes through in my preaching. <laughs> hopefully. Um, you know, in my parenting, the way that I parent, um, you know, I try to encourage. Uh, uh, in my coaching days, I was more of the, you know, rah-rah coach, you can, you can do it kind of coach. And, and, but then there are moments where maybe it's a staff member, or one of our staff members, or sometimes it's, it's someone who's serving me at a restaurant. I'll just have these moments. And yeah, some of it is probably emotional intelligence, you know, a la Daniel Goleman. But, but I think it's more than that. I think it's a sensitivity to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to know when someone needs a life-giving word of encouragement. And the first couple of times I did it, it felt like, oh, is this going to come across weird? But 
God has given you a gift. There's not one of you that the Lord has not gifted. Now you have to figure out what that is. Can I tell you how you figure it out? You use it, you try something, you take a step of faith, you exercise it. And, and that is also how you discover a gift that you don't have. Um, but you gotta take that, that first step. Now let, let me get into the second little point. Uh, the first step uh, is the hardest. Uh, the distance from zero to one is much longer than the distance from one to two. Now, the reason for that is something called the law of inertia. Uh, there's no momentum. It's very, very difficult. Um, the first workout, right? The first workout, when you haven't been working out for a while, it is so hard. Uh, the, uh, the first tithe check, oh man, that's hard to write that check. Uh, the, the first chapter, the first day of dieting, you name it. Um, you know what? The first time I ever went to an altar to pray, it was so awkward. And, and it just, ah, it felt weird. But, but what I've discovered, and we say it a lot around here, is that the altar is where God does his best alterations that, that when I just get on my knees, God has a way of doing something in my, in my heart. And I want to be the first one. I do not want to leave a gift at the altar that God has for me. And so you know what? Um, this is me just kind of pushing the envelope a little bit for us as a church. Listen, when we have opportunities to pray at the end of a service, these are people that have been praying for you all week, but man, you're missing, uh, you're leaving a gift at the altar. If there's a situation in your life where you don't let them pray with you and pray for you. And so let, let me push us uh, a little bit uh, as your pastor and say, man, that first step, that first time the altar, first time using a gift, it's the hardest, but uh, first time you share your faith, uh, first time you pray out loud, uh, the first time you go to a small group full of strangers, uh, the first time that you volunteer for Second Saturday Serve, the first time is always the hardest. The question is, what is that step you need to take? What, what do you need to start? Can I just uh, remind us that delayed obedience is disobedience? That inaction is an action, Indecision is a decision. If you wait until you're ready, you're gonna be waiting until the day you die. Uh, I'm a perfectionist. And so, um, like, I want the money back guarantee. I want the circumstances to be perfect. And then the Lord showed me Ecclesiastes 11, that if you wait, like, for the perfect cloud formation, you're never gonna plant and nothing's ever gonna happen. Listen, don't, don't wait. There's no better time than the present. What is it that you've been putting off, that you've been ignoring or resisting the prompting of the Holy Spirit? You know the right thing to do. You know. And I think this weekend, I'm just advocating that you would respond. If you don't, what I've found is that not only does my heart get hardened, but my hearing gets hardened. If I resist it, I stop hearing the voice of God. But if I respond to it, then God can do something even greater 
the next time. How do you hear the voice of God? I mean, that's the question. You know, it's easy to look at this story about uh, Philip. And, uh, you know, God says, uh, hey, desert road from Jerusalem to Gaza, go. Um, Now, by the way, I mean, that's just amazing. See, we want God to reveal the second step before we take the first step. But sometimes faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. And that's what Philip does. But he does it in response to the voice of God. So how do you hear the voice of God? Because this is where it could get really wild and wacky, right? Because everybody's just kind of, whoa, like it gets a little ethereal, right? I I know there are some churches like that. but, but I, I know that there are some churches that the only movement they make is opening to hymn 336. Like, come on, there's something in between, okay? Um, the best way to hear the voice of God is to open the word of God. So let's start there. Um, when you open the Bible, God opens his mouth. And as you begin to read, what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to quicken things in your spirit. And... And then you respond to it. You look for opportunities to put it into practice. Now, beyond Holy Scripture, um, the, 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 the same one who inspired Holy Scripture is never going to tell you to do something that's contrary to the book that he inspired. But there are going to be moments where in that still small voice, he's going to use circumstances and he's going to use people um, to speak. Maybe it's that word of encouragement. Maybe it's someone praying for you and that prayer turns into a prophetic prayer. Um, Those are moments then when we need to respond to that voice. Now you need to test it against scripture. In fact, let me just say this. Um, Please, please, I, I, hope you, I hope the messages are a blessing and I'll, I'll just speak on, uh, on behalf of our entire teaching team. Don't take our word for it. Go back to God's word. Test it against scripture. When, when you begin to discern God saying something, uh, go back to the word and, and make sure that it lines up. But when the spirit of God speaks, take a step of faith. I could tell you a hundred stories right here. Let me just tell you one of them. Um, I remember the day that um, 1997, we're trying to find a church office. Um, Summer had been uh, born in July of that year and, and her bedroom was our office. Our office was her bedroom. And so, um, Laura, we need an office. You've heard this story if you've been around a time or two. Two doors closed. Um, we were going to put an offer in and, and the night before someone had beat us to the punch. And I was so frustrated, so discouraged. And, uh, and so a couple of weeks later, I'd almost given up on it. And I'm walking down uh, F Street on Capitol Hill and I get in front of 205 F Street and I can only describe it as a prompting from the Holy Spirit to call Robert Thomas. Now, I, I wasn't even sure if that was his name. Uh, the owner of 205 S Street that I had met about a year before, not great with names, but I had this sense. And so, I mean, this is crazy. This is pre-Google. This goes way back. So I had to go to something called a phone book, a phone book. And look up and there were eight Robert Thomases and, and I finally found one. I thought maybe, just maybe, but I didn't even know if it was him, even if it was him, right? You know, I mean, just crazy. And so I pick up the phone, I dial the number and, and 
like, hey, Robert, this is, this is Mark Batterson. I pastor national community. I don't remember, know if you remember me. Um, and he interrupts me. And he says, I was just thinking about you. He said, I, I'm thinking about selling 205 S Street. Again, no for sale sign, nothing. Um, I was thinking about selling 205 F Street and uh, wanted to give you a call, but didn't know how to get a, get a hold of you. And you just called. He said, would you want to buy that row home? I said, let me pray about it. Yes. <laughs> Some things you don't need to pray about. You just need to say yes. Because God's already spoken on the matter, right? Um, so we buy 205 F Street. By, by the way, lease with the option to purchase $225,000. Um, praise is now somewhere near a million. Like, praise God. Well, then it was the crack house that abuts 205 F Street that we would lay hands on and that we would circle in prayer and that many, many years later would become Ebenezer's coffee house, more than a million customers. But it traces back to one little prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't want you to walk out of here in fear. Like, what if I miss it? Come on, you know God better than that, right? You know your father better than that. He's the God of second and third and 10th chances. But you still have to respond. You have to take that first step. All right, third, take it one step at a time. Take it one step at a time. Um, you know, may, maybe, maybe the Bi Bible has been something that's kind of intrigued you, but whew, big book, right? Big book. Um, and uh, you don't know where to, where to start. Um, okay, why don't we start? Let's start. And if you need to, we could even start it the way most books are started. Right there in Genesis 1-1. If you want, we could start right there. Um, or if you want, you could start at the beginning of the New Testament with Matthew 1-1. Um, but but here's, here's the deal. You got to take it one step at a time because big book, a little bit overwhelming. How am I going to read this thing from cover to cover? I'm going to tell you how. One verse at a time. One day at a time. But you probably need a reading plan, like any goal, if you're going to execute it. Um, you can't just say yes to it once. You have to say yes to it every day. Right? You have to say yes to the workout every day. You have to say yes. Um, you don't just say, I do once at the altar to your uh, husband or wife, right? You say, I do every day. You say yes every day. Um, you get out of debt one paycheck at a time. You tithe one paycheck at a time. You get into shape, one workout at a time. You lose weight, one meal at a time. You did it, get a degree, one class at a time. Uh, you read through the Bible, one verse at a time. You accomplish a goal, one step at a time. You write a book, one chapter at a time. You win a championship, one game at a time. I spent five hours in a cemetery this week. A little morbid, right? Um, it was for a film shoot for, uh, for If, for the book that comes out in the fall. And uh, talking about if only regrets at the beginning of that book. And so we thought, let's go over to Congressional uh, Cemetery, Dog Park Cemetery. Um, and uh, spent about five hours there. Um, I'll tell you what. All of us should probably spend a day in a cemetery. I don't know what it is. It just helps you come to terms with your mortality. Life is a vapor. 
but also you walk out like, I want to make it count. I want to make a difference. Anyways, my favorite tombstone, because I, I love old tombstones. I love them. I love reading them. And the old ones are hard to read because they're, you know, etched a long, long time ago. And there, there were ones from, you know, 1700s at Congressional. Um, here is one of my favorite. Uh, Herbert Lincoln Clark, his epitaph said, this is so great. I don't know why this is so great. It's just so great. Um, I mean, this, I think he, like, you know, born 1857, something like that. Um, but his epitaph on the tombstone, it said, World, world's greatest cornetist. Not, I don't know if that's like an elf thing, like world's best coffee. What? World's best coffee? Um, you know, <laughs> world's best, you know, greatest cornetist. Um, but I'm going to take his word for it. In fact, someone commented on my Instagram that he like, um, oh, who, who, who was it? Military band, the famous, the famous. John Philip Sousa. Thank you. Thank you, band members. Um, how did he become the world's greatest cornetist? One practice at a time. Um, I know it's overkill at this point, but, but I'm still gonna ask, what do you need to start? What do you need to start? And then you need to take it one step at a time. All right, finally, uh, you might need to stop one thing to start something else. Okay, now uh, Andy Stanley said this first. I love it. Saying yes to one thing is saying no to something else. Sometimes you have to say no to one thing to say yes to something else. Um, you know, if you want to read a book a month, you might need to say no to one of your favorite shows. If you want to get out of debt, you might need to say no to the latest fashion statement. Um, if you want to lose weight, you might need to say no to dessert. If you want to get in shape, read the Bible. Want to, you might need to say no to your snooze button. I said a couple of weeks ago, say it again. Every time you hit the snooze button, you're delaying your dream about nine minutes at a time. Um, the best way to break a habit is to build a habit. If you want to break the sin habit, you got to build the, the prayer habit. Um, and so there might be something that you need to stop doing in order to go from good to great. In order to get to the next level spiritually, uh, what do you need to stop doing and start doing? Uh, but by the way, probably need to curse the barren fig tree. Uh, and that's what Jesus did when something wasn't producing fruit. There's a barren fig tree in your life. All of us have a barren fig tree. There's something that we need to stop doing because it's wasting our time and energy. There's something better that God has for us. All right, back to Acts 8, 26. So he started out. He took the first step. That one small step onto the desert road from Jerusalem to Gaza. So where do you need to start. Now you got a green card on the way in. That sounds funny. <laughs> you got a green card on the way in. And uh, what we're doing during this series is because if all you do is listen to a message, then you've simply been educated further beyond the level of your disobedience. So what do I write on that card? Well, let, let me just go right back to it and say, that maybe you've never surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, but you want to say yes to Christ. Man, I'd put that date right on the card. This is your moment. Uh, this is your spiritual birth date. Man, you write that on that green card. You keep that card as a keepsake. Um, but maybe you want to write something like, 
like tithe. Maybe, maybe that's a spiritual practice that you want to begin giving God the, the first 10%. Or maybe, maybe it's 20 pounds. You, you write a goal on there. You know, maybe it's reading the Bible cover to cover. Just write the word Bible. Um, I want to encourage you to, to not write 17 things on there. Because then your chances of accomplishing it go, go down significantly. Um, what is it? With the Holy Spirit's help, probably, probably going to need to pray about it. Probably going to need to take this one from church to wherever it is, whatever it is you're doing next. In fact, if you're here with someone, with, with a spouse, with a friend, um, or maybe your small group this week, have a conversation about it. You know, hold each other accountable. Say, hey, what is that thing that you wrote on the card? Um, or, or maybe you need to spend some time at an altar and just say, God, would you just begin to speak to me? And, and I can't tell you exactly when, where, or how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. All right. You can't finish what you don't start. The first step will be the hardest. But if you take one step at a time, there is nothing God cannot accomplish in you or through you. Now, let me tell you the end of the story. Uh, Philip uh, started out, right? Takes one, one step. Well, uh, it says, on the way... Uh, he bumped into an Ethiopian eunuch, a, a cabinet member, uh, an, an important official uh, in the cabinet of uh, uh, Queen Candace of Ethiopia. Uh, someone with great power and great influence, um, perhaps a practicing Jew, uh, perhaps there for one of the, the uh, pilgrimage feasts. And, and he's on his way back without a revelation of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, sure enough, a uh, divine appointment happens, comes up alongside the chariot. And uh, he's reading uh, from the prophet Isaiah. And he says, I don't really understand who this is talking about. Philip says, well, I, I can tell you um, that the prophet was pointing forward to the son of God uh, of whom thousands of prophecies have been fulfilled, including this one. And he came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They spot some water. He says, hey, why shouldn't I get baptized? Bam, baptism on the spot, gets back into the chariot. We'll see you later. And he takes off and goes back to Ethiopia. That was a two-inch domino. Did you know that... Um, Ethiopia has a 2,000-year unbroken chain of Christianity that uh, is very unique in the continent of Africa. I've had conversations about this with Zeb Mengistu, Pastor Zeb, who pastors Beza International Church in Addis, uh, the capital city of Ethiopia that we helped start in 2005. We, and, and, and by the way, um, the expression of the gospel is, is expanding in a powerful way uh, in that country and, of course, on that continent. Um, but can I suggest that it was one little yes, if you trace it all the way back, the very first Ethiopian convert um, was this Ethiopian eunuch who, this changes a nation, I mean, this doesn't even just change a generation. This changes the course of history for a country. How? Prompting of the Holy Spirit, Philip says, yeah, yes, 
Yes. And he starts out. Listen, you have no idea what you write on your card, the difference it's going to make, not just in your life, but in the life of your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. The difference it's going to make long after you have stepped into eternity, the difference that that one little yes is going to make in someone's life. You have no idea. But you know what? If you take that one little step, God's going to turn it into one giant leap. Let's pray. Father, help us to not just be hearers of your word, but to be doers of it. Lord, we're so inspired by the faith that Philip had with such little information. Just go on the desert road. But he was obedient. He was obedient to the revelation that you had given to him. God, I know that there are people this weekend that they're waiting for you to reveal the second step, but, but that's not faith. Faith is taking the first step. And so God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal to us what it is that we need to write on that little green card, the step that we need to take. And I thank you today that we stand on a promise that he who began a good work in us is gonna carry it to completion. In Jesus' name, amen.